Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. I have Parkinson's disease. This is when life gives you Parkinson's. Joining me on this podcast journey is my wife and partner in Parkinson's, Rebecca Gifford. Today, in part one of a three-part conversation between Larry and me, we'll check in on how each other is doing, physically and emotionally. We decided we wanted to have a more in-depth conversation and check in about our family and how we are doing as a person with Parkinson's and a care partner. We used to do this more regularly at the end of every episode, and now I'm co-host, so we haven't done it in a while. So today, uh, and throughout this three-part discussion, uh, we will talk about personal priorities, advocacy, and how chronic disease changes and challenges the dynamics of our family. And we'll get into what gives us hope. In part one that you were about to hear, we're talking about where our life is from a practical perspective, the joys and pressures, and also what we are discovering about what we need as people and as a family to maintain balance and productivity in our relatively new life where Parkinson's is a main character. We are figuring out how to take true breaks, a concept and practice that changes its meaning constantly and looks different as Parkinson's progresses. And we are relearning how energy conservation and awareness affects our well-being and the ability to be present and as healthy as possible. So let's get to it. What do you say? Yeah. Larry begins the conversation. First off, I want to tell you that I love you. I love you too. And I wouldn't want to be on this journey with anybody else. Me either. I also wouldn't want to be on this journey. Right. (laughs) Ideally. But if it wasn't this journey, it would be a different journey. It would be something else. Yeah. We know that in this lifetime, we are meant to face what can feel like insurmountable challenges at times, as are many people who are alive during this time, because sometimes what's going on in the world feels overwhelming yeah, and looks overwhelming. And it's not, but that's how it feels. And so we're all supposed to move through this individually and collectively. And your Parkinson's, our Parkinson's, the family's Parkinson's, is one of those major obstacles. It's um, it's an everyday thing. It's You can't put it on the shelf and say, oh, I'll pick that back up on Monday. No, nope. wake up in the morning and it's still there. You know, it's not a, well, if I just get through treatments, well, if I just have the surgery, it will. As With the current medical knowledge and capabilities... It will be with you forever and always. Yeah, and I think that at some point, you know, based on the conversations I've had with researchers and scientists, I mean, they're getting very close to a biomarker and all these great things that are down the pike. And I, I believe, I, and I, I'm totally like, that's what we need to do. It's not going to help me necessarily because we're not going to get there with enough time. Um, but if we can help the next generation start um, finding ways to, you know, diagnose it early and then stop it at its tracks before it onsets, that's, that's the key. Well, and we'll talk about hope later on in our conversation. Yeah. That certainly is a big part of it. But maybe a good place for us to start is 
How are you doing with your Parkinson's? As you recall, in episode 1.1 of season one, we were frenemies, Parkinson's and I. I believe I've done a really good job of finding a way to embrace Parkinson's and leverage it um, for the good of the community and for the good of our of, of my life and it's given me purpose um, a different purpose a new purpose I feel like I can make a real difference but I also find it infuriating because it's constantly changing it's as soon as one thing resolves then something else perks up and I feel like I'm at the most balanced I've been with it emotionally and physically frankly but I also feel like as soon as I say that then it's going to hit me out of the blue and whack me somewhere else so I try not to say that out loud the ebbs and flows and you never want to test the ebb too much well just like the other day like I I was out for the count I don't know why I was so tired I but I was I I was sleeping all day, taking naps, and like, like, are you okay? I'm like, I, I can't, I don't know. I, I got hit by something. Well, and what's also interesting, just on a symptom level, is that the people around you are noticing your Parkinson's more. Yes. Meanwhile, you're feeling a bit better currently. Yeah, You've hit a plateau. But but it's it's more apparent in the way I speak, in the way I search for words or I can't remember things or I ask people, like, what's the name of that thing that I should really know the name of? Like, Or I forget people's names that I've known for 20 years. Or so like, or they'll see me uh, disconnetic on a, on a Zoom call where, you know, suddenly I'm sort of moving weird and they're like... So I do get a lot of calls from colleagues and stuff on, on the side going, hey, is everything okay? Are you all right? How's your Parkinson's? You know, it's like, I feel like, oh, it's going pretty good. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, this is the kind of first time I've seen you do that. <laughs> like, oh, well, you know, but like, I feel better. Well, where do you think that comes from? Is it just being more accustomed to, maybe more at peace with the symptoms and the disease? Yes, I think, I think you're right. I think that the, it's, I'm not resisting it. I have Parkinson's. And as soon as you can like uh, allow that to to be true, that you can admit that to yourself, the the resistance goes away. And so and the resistance is what causes the the push pull, the frenemy. Um and and it's like once you say, Yeah, it's part of who I am, it's not going away, but it doesn't mean my life is over. It doesn't mean that I can't do things. It's taken therapy to get there. Uh, And and now I'm also, now I'm doing occupational therapy, which is just opening my eyes to other ways that I can really live life better. The little things that can make a big difference to your energy level. Yeah, so how to reserve your energy. So you spoke about your work and responsibilities and Zoom calls and things that remains, but... Over the last few months, some of that has shifted. It's important to note you have decreased your day-to-day responsibilities at work, not your overarching job responsibilities, but certainly a lot of the time that you were spending in meetings and doing things that were that were um, taxing your executive functions a little bit more are now 
off with other people. Yeah, I find that day-to-day detail work is very hard for me, but I can do big picture strategy presentations, put together, you know, have a, be in meetings and be a presenter, but it's, it's when I'm trying to get the 60 details of a thing for later today where I fall short. I guess I just can't work at the pace that I used to and with the accuracy that I used to. So you changed responsibilities at work to help address that, but also because that was just a good evolution of your current job. Yeah. And so, and that was, and I proactively worked with my job to do that. It was, it was part of a plan that we put in motion and it took a year to get there to to put us all in a position where we could make that happen, but they were very supportive. And is it helping? Yeah. I mean, anytime you have a job, you know, if you change responsibilities, you know, it's, it's, it's not like you have less work, you just have different work. And so, and I guess... I would love to get paid when I get paid, but work half as much. Uh, But uh, nobody's wanting to do that. (laughs) My life is a bit busier in a good way. It always takes little steps, a little bit busier every season, every term. I'm spending more time and energy happily on the writing workshops that I offer in various venues that are really about using creative expression as a tool and as a way of learning about yourself and discovering your place in the world and finding your voice. Very excited about them, and I'm now offering them on my own in partnership with a local improv theater. So that's taking up more time um, and also kind of happily being the general centerpiece of my professional life right now. I'm also doing a lot more in the community, in the Parkinson's community, in the care partner community. And over the last few months, that's ramped up quite a bit. More speaking engagements and opportunities with different organizations, including um, World Parkinson Coalition. And and all of that is continuing in a really positive way. I like my contribution to the community, but I also like that I have things going on that have very little to do with Parkinson's and the Parkinson's community. That's kind of my own thing. I'm looking to get back more into my own writing. Still working with writing clients on a marketing and um, content development basis, but um, hoping to do more of my own writing here in the next few months, which certainly Parkinson's would touch that because it kind of touches everything. But that's my thing. That's my voice. It's separate from, from what we do with and for the community. And I need that, as we, as all of us care partners know, and most of the people with Parkinson's know about their care partners, we need to have those things that are separate from. Yeah. I think it's important also to note that uh, on a practical basis, parenting has been challenging the last few months. It's shifting and changing a bit. We don't talk about parenting very much on the on the podcast, but I know that People tend to know that our our son has some challenges, so we address them in various ways. And <laughs> um, but it's a daily thing that needs to be addressed, and takes some time and energy in our in our world. 
he is uh, somebody who needs a lot of attention from mom and dad all day long. And support, simply to get through this very strange and challenging time of development. He's 12. Going on 13 soon. He's certainly a preteen in a lot of ways. In other ways, he's six. In other other ways, ways, he's he's 60. 45, right? (laughs) (laughs) So parenting challenges, you know, everybody's got parenting challenges. Um, And ours are just particularly acute. right now and so just from a practical basis i feel like that's important to mention that we're spending a lot of time and energy and and money frankly address addressing that and um he's an extraordinary person i'm happy to support him and love him dearly um but it's also it's a thing well (laughs) and he he uh ebbs and flows with his interest in Parkinson's and with like, he just doesn't want me to have it some days so I can just go out and wrestle with them. Or we whatever. asked him if he wanted to be part of this update and it was a pretty quick no. Yeah. He, he, he sometimes will ask me a question and he'll go, so you still have Parkinson's? Yes. <laughs> or why, why do you have to, um, you know, use your walking poles? And he's asked me that before, but he keeps like he keeps trying to f- understand it, and I'm I'm like you know I have a hard time understanding it too. So, so I think he forgets. Yeah, yeah, that you have Parkinson's in some ways, or maybe tries to forget. He it's great that he doesn't identify you as primarily a person with Parkinson's. He doesn't go, yeah, my dad, he's got Parkinson's. He doesn't think about that first and foremost about you. 25 things come before that in the list, which is remarkable on his part and your part that you've been able to to keep your relationship free of that identifying influence. And, and, and truly, I mean, for Christmas, he gave me a hammer that says world's best dad. <laughs> so obviously he's aware of my carpentry skills. <laughs> picked that out at this lovely little store, artisan store, in <laughs> on the Sunshine Coast here in British Columbia. We went there for a brief vacation with the very beginning of like the week before Christmas. And so we, I took him out. So you need to buy some things for your dad. Here's your budget. He spent some things at this great store. And then we went to this other store and he's like, this is it, mom. This is it. (laughs) Are you sure? Maybe we should look around the rest of the... Because he picked it up pretty early. Maybe we should look around the rest of the store, knowing that a hammer would be (laughs) something (laughs) that's not exactly, you know, your wheelhouse. And he um, he insisted. He went around every... And he he carefully considered some other things. And he's like, no, this is it. Well, and it is is my favorite hammer. (laughs) <laughs> on the long list of hammers that you enjoy. When I rank the hammers in my life, <laughs> that one's at the very top. Uh, he was so insistent and so proud that he found it. And really, I don't think it, it mattered that it was a hammer. I think if it had been anything else, a, yeah. a wrench, a shovel, a, you know, it could have been anything. A mug, 
that had world's greatest dad on it or whatever. Yeah. He just wanted something that said world's greatest dad because he wanted you to know that you're the world's greatest dad. Well. Which is very sweet. That is very kind. And, you know, um, there's a lot of great dads out there. So it's hard for me to say I'm the world's greatest. Well, to him. To him, of course, yes. We took a break from the podcast. Yeah. During the last several months, which I'm not going to lie, was kind of nice because it was just something else that was not not on the list. But once we came back, I was I was happy I was back. I appreciated and enjoyed that outlet and be able being able to speak directly to the community. Yeah, I I, I missed the podcast and but uh, but I also enjoyed the time away. We needed the time away. Yeah, we were it was just getting a little bit crazy and I've, I'm finding I need to take those moments and like we did it before Christmas where it just took two weeks and I just checked out of everything um, as best as I could. You know, sometimes the job won't allow me to totally check out, but you did better than I've ever seen you. Do, yes, frankly, and I think it was because you gave yourself a longer period of time because those first few days were a little dicey. If we hadn't gone away, right. literally changed our scenery and our environment, I don't know that you would have done as well. Um, well, I also have a hard time now watching like movies and TV shows. I get fidgety and stuff. Like it's hard to complete that, so I have to find alternate activities. And so, like, now I'm really into Lego, and I've I got uh, puzzles, and mm-hmm. I was working on that. And then, like, I'd have, like, my iPhone or, or iPad or whatever with a movie on so I could be there, but I didn't have to um, <clears throat> didn't have to just sit and watch because I, I, I don't have the focus and attention. Uh, and I started doing books on tape because I, my attention span won't let me, like, like, I can't read more than a couple of pages at a time. But the biggest change that I saw during that time was you were able to turn down the work noise, work and projects, because not all of it has to do with your job. It's all the other things that you are responsible for and PD Avengers and everything. You were able to kind of turn that knob way down. So that list of things that needed to be done or weren't getting done or whatever wasn't constantly niggling at you. I will give you full credit for that. Because there was an expectation that this would be a non-working time, and I didn't want to disappoint you, uh, and I used that as inspiration for me to like, yeah, after you went to bed, I'd sneak on the computer every now and again and check my emails and whatnot. But I was not during the day; I was checked out, uh, and and you gave me permission to do that by saying that's my this is you're not working right you're not working like and and you repeated that a lot and i appreciated that because it just was a good reminder like i am on vacation and i've earned this and i can relax and my fear is if i let my guard down and i stop moving i won't be able to get back into that groove like i feel like if i need that continuous perpetual motion or i'll lose my mojo but you proved over the last couple of days going back to work. And that first day was kind of a doozy because everybody in the whole world was like, okay, your two weeks is up. I got to meet with you. I got to talk to you. Then that you could. Yeah. And you got back and you're 
working at the same functioning level that you were before you left and maybe even more so because you were able to give your brain a break. Well, and now I'm also uh, building in even more time each day of downtime, of love Larry time. So on my schedule, it just says focus time or whatever. And I can go take a nap or I can just come out here and walk the dog or I can like whatever. I can just sit. I can ride the bike, whatever. I just giving my brain time to just recoup during the day is important. And uh, my occupational therapist told me, she goes, you can't do five things a day. You have to have three big things a day. And then maybe a couple of little things. She actually said one big thing a day. And I said, well, that's impossible. Um, and so, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying no to things or I'm saying, you know what? I, I can't do it. I'm saying no is hard for me. And so like it's, but it's most important word I can learn. And I do want to give Brene Brown credit for that conversation that we had before we even left for the Sunshine Coast. She was on one of her podcasts recently talking about how she and her husband set expectations for vacations before they leave. What do you want to get out of the vacation? What's your expectation for the vacation? And then they contrast and compare and they figure out if they need to compromise something. Then they understand what the other person is trying to get out of that time and can support that in any way or decide that maybe they need to be doing things separately some of the time or whatever it is. But really having that expectation up front for any period of time, let alone a vacation, was she found really helpful. It's like, oh, that's a great idea. So we had that conversation, maybe even on the drive to the ferry. Yeah of what do you want to get out of this time? Here's what I think about this time. Here's what I think we could use. Here's what I could use. Really checking out, really turning the knob way down. Focusing on nature and food and family and games and we danced in the kitchen. And I mean, it was it was truly letting down the hair. And that made and that made all the difference because we had that conversation. So there wasn't that push pull of well, I thought it was going to be this. Well, I didn't. And you're halfway through the vacation, and then you're disagreeing about how to spend the time. Well, right, because sometimes we go to Sunshine Coast and we want to do some hiking or whatever. And we set an agenda for every day. Right. Like here's the one thing that we're going to focus on. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to go hiking. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to go shopping. We're going to whatever it is. And then that's our outing for the day. And you said, I don't want to have an outing for the day. (laughs) I don't want to have any expectation for that time. If I want to sit and you want to go out and do an outing, you go out and do the outing, but I'm going to sit and do my puzzle and listen to my my book. And that's how I need to to wind down. And for me, I needed to walk. I got out. It was super cold, but it was beautiful. So I got out and walked to the beach every day and took that time and spent time with the dog and played games with Henry and took Henry to go shop Christmas shopping. And so I did do a little bit more out and about than you did, but we established that's cool. That's the way we're going to do it. And we didn't want to go to restaurants, so we cooked a lot. and, and we, we cooked and ordered in. and Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was For me, it was like just escaping this house, which is where we work and where we live and where everything happens. And it's just like, give me a new perspective desperate need of a change change of scenery and we we decided to go on this trip Last and minute. made the reservation and found this great place 
in this great spot one week before we left. It was meant to be. Yeah. And it really did make a big difference. By the end of our two weeks, I felt rested. Yeah. It was was not without its ups and downs. I ended up getting sick, not COVID. Um, We had some, you know, we had a ton of snow, which was a nice thing. And then it was an inconvenient thing and blah, blah, blah. But we were able to fully detach. And then when it was time to come back to work, I was ready to come back to work. Yeah, me too. I was ready to re-engage. Re-engage. But I find that I'm still not doing as much work as I was before the vacation. Like I'm not, you know, I, I like each, sometimes at night I'd go in there for three or four hours and I'm still working on my puzzle <laughs> now at night and going, you know what, that work's going to be there tomorrow. Like I don't need to, to do that. That's the first part of our conversation. I went pretty well. I think so. In retrospect, it was a couple weeks ago. Now, but yeah. I still love you. Well, that's nice. Yeah, I know. Isn't it cool? <laughs> You're so- <laughs> Nothing has changed in two weeks. It's <laughs> remarkable. Next week, we dig deeper and talk about some emotional challenges and dark moments from the last few months. I, I do want to dedicate this episode to my friend Suki. Uh, Suki was a member of our improv for Parkinson's troupe here in Vancouver. Uh, he was a funny man, uh, piercing eyes, a smile that lit up the room. Uh, he's a friend, and he's going to be really missed. You know, this is the, the part of Parkinson's we don't talk about a lot, that, you know, uh, friends leave earlier than they should. And um, it's, it, it hit me really hard, and uh, I'm, I'm going to miss him a lot. And so, Asuki, this one's for you. The presenting partner is Parkinson Canada. Diagnosed with Parkinson's, you are not alone. Parkinson.ca. Thanks also to our promotional partners, the World Parkinson Congress 2023 in Barcelona, Spain. I know it feels like a long time from now, but it's gonna like they're gonna start opening registration in October. You gotta start saving your money. Uh, start thinking about travel. What are you gonna do with the kids? Now is the time to begin planning for next July, July of 2023 for Barcelona. And go to WPC2023.org for details. Oh, that's important. (laughs) The Webby Award-winning Michael J. Fox Foundation Parkinson's Podcast, hosted by Larry Gifford. Available on Apple Podcasts and at MichaelJFox.org. You uh, noticed they mentioned that in the 2021 in review, Michael J. Fox Foundation. That was pretty cool. Woohoo! Yeah! PD Avengers, a global alliance of people with Parkinson's, their partners and friends united to the cause of ending Parkinson's disease, also in the 2021 review by the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Join us now at pdavengers.com. Spotlight YOPD, the only organization in the world with the singular focus of raising awareness of young onset Parkinson's disease. Spotlightyopd.org. Now, here, here I have a favor to ask of you. If you could just share this podcast with someone you think could benefit from it, would find it interesting, would learn something from it, maybe recommend a a certain episode that is related to some of the symptoms you're going through. Recommendations are the most effective way to grow our audience and raise awareness of Parkinson's disease. Keep positive. Keep exercising. Keep listening. We'll talk to you next time.